Let's go ahead and jump into the Word. We're in week four of our Your Invited series. This will be the last week. We're going to be concluding it. Um, the last several weeks we've been uh, taking some time looking in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 55 we see basically some one-word invitations that God is giving us through His prophet. And so over the last several weeks we've looked at some of these one-word invitations that we've seen. In the first week we took about this idea, or talked about this idea of come how God invites us to come to Him and invites us into a relationship with Him. Week two, we talked about the idea of listening and how God invites us to come and to listen and, and have community with Him and communion with Him and learn from Him. Last week, we talked about this concept of buy and understand in the context of, of Isaiah 55, the idea of buy would, is to have that faith and total trust in him, that he's inviting us to trust him and look to him for those things. And then this week, we're going to finish it up with one last invitation that we see. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Isaiah 55. We're going to read the whole thing again, and then we'll kind of break it down and look at the, the one word that we're looking at. So if, again, if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 55, 1 through 3, and also if you, have it, if you don't, it'll be up on the screen. So let's read it together. Isaiah 55, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for this time. God, we thank you for this opportunity over the last several weeks to kind of look at these invitations. And God, obviously these invitations were given thousands of years ago, but they are still relevant and they're still being extended to us today. And so God, as we kind of conclude all this, as we've kind of allowed these to kind of build on themselves, Father, I pray that we would be a people that would come, that we'd listen, that we'd buy. And then we'd even do the last thing that we're going to be talking about this morning. Let this not just be something that we experience during a 21-day fast or every once in a while. God, let us say yes to these open invitations to you at all times. We love you and we thank you that you've invited us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, the last several weeks we've done come listen and buy. This morning we're going to do something very strategic in my planning because this morning what we're going to be looking at is the fact that you've been invited by God to eat. There is no way we were going to do eat during a 21-day time of prayer and fasting because I just that that ain't right you know that is just not cool but at the same time we are seeing that last invitation of God. He's saying basically you come, you listen, you buy, and then you eat. What we're looking at here this morning is this. To be invited to eat is an invitation into nourishment, delight, and fulfillment. Okay? To eat is nourishment, delight, and fulfillment. Let's look at a little more specifically here in Isaiah, again, Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. It says, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on bread that does not satisfy? Or why, does, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Here's the thing I've learned. A lot of times, if we look at these invitations that God gives us, man, we sometimes will do really good with the come. Sometimes we'll do really good with the listen. Sometimes we'll even do really good with the buy. But there's one last step in this progression that God wants us to take and accept his invitation to. And that is the invitation to eat and eat at his table. Because here's what I've learned. You will eat something. The question becomes, what are you going to feed yourself? 
What are you going to eat? And God here is basically saying, listen, I have some things for you to consume. I have some things to nourish you and for you to delight in, for you to feel fulfillment in. But you need to understand that you got to come to me and allow my food and what I want to give you to be the thing that does the nourishment, the delight, and the fulfillment in your life. Because what we see is if we look to other things to eat, we're going to get hungry again. We're going we're to get thirsty again. We're going to find that we're going to be running from one place to another trying to find something to nourish and fulfill and delight our souls. Because if you don't, you'll starve. If you don't, you'll starve. And so spiritually speaking, somewhat just like in our physical sense, we will find things to eat. Sometimes we'll find things that are good to eat. Sometimes we'll find things that are not good to eat. But we will find something. And God is coming to us. And he's inviting you and me to him and saying, will you please come and eat what I have prepared for you? Will you come and enjoy what I have prepared for you? We talked about it several weeks ago. But even in Psalms 23, God prepares a table for us. You can come to the table. You can listen to God prepare. You can even buy into the fact that God has prepared this for me. But that one last step of consuming, that one last step of allowing it to do what it was designed to do is another step in the progression that God wants to take us on. Look at Psalm 63, verse number 5. It says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. We, we, we see the psalmist here beginning to understand the concept that if I'm going to be satisfied, if I'm going to allow the food that I really take in to make a difference in my life, it's got to be the food that comes from the table of the Father. Because he has prepared for us something great. Psalms 34, 8, a verse we've all heard so many times, but it's so important that we get this. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. You see, here's the deal. A lot of times we'll look at Psalms 34, 8, and we'll just look at the first part of that. And it's great. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But we have to see what is also written. And it says, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Those who allow him to not, not only to taste and see, but to allow that nourishment and that delight and that fulfillment to allow joy and peace and all those other things to flood into our life. Why? Because we've taken refuge in him. Because we haven't tried to do it on our own. We haven't tried to find refuge, refuge in other things or other people. But instead, we've tasted, we've known that the Lord is good. And therefore, we take refuge in him. And there's a joy and there's a delight and there's a fulfillment that comes because of that. I mean, think about your life. Think about maybe other people's lives that you've, you've had an opportunity to walk with or journey through. And, and you know what I've found? A lot of times, your satisfaction and your fulfillment and your nourishment of life in life is strictly determined on what type of food you are eating. If you're eating God's word, and we're going to talk about this later, but if you're eating him and what he has prepared for you, you know what I've found? No matter what you face in your life, Somehow there's a delight, there's a fulfillment, there's a satisfaction, there's a joy, there's a peace that's there. But I know, at least personally, when I start to eat other things, I, when I start to eat negativity, when I start to eat a desire of finding fulfillment in other things or other people, when I start eating that type of food, I get into trouble. I find that I'm not as nourished as I ought to be. I'm not as strong as I ought to be. I, I'm trying to find delight in places that it was never designed for me to find delight in. I'm trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment in so many other things instead of really what my heart was created to find fulfillment in. And it's hard. It's really hard. Because sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, sometimes we look for those things in some really good things, but not the best thing. 
Sometimes we look to those things and go, you know, I, I, I'm looking at it for like, like through my spouse. You know, boy, you know, well, my spouse, if my spouse loves me, if my spouse takes care of me, if my spouse does this or that, then we feel this sense of, of nourishment, delight, and, and, and fulfillment. But, but, but they're not designed to do that. And no matter how great your spouse is, there will become times where they'll fail you. There will be times where it will not be enough. It's not their fault it's not enough. They were never designed to be enough. And what we have done is we're starting to sit down and partake of that type of food. And listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't look to our spouse to be a major part of our lives. Don't misunderstand me. But they're not the thing that we need to look at for nourishment, delight, and fulfillment. In a lot of ways, if this makes sense, they're the icing on the cake. They're not the cake. The cake is always Jesus. It's always the Lord. Maybe it's with our kids. You know, we love them. We, we're there for them or whatever it might be. And we try to find that, those delights and those fulfillments and that nourishment from them. And again, they, are never, they were never designed to do that. And a lot of times in our lives, we have to take a step back and go, listen, what table am I eating at? What table am I mainly going to to fulfill me and to bring delight and nourishment to my heart and to my life? You see, none of us have the excuse that basically say, well, God invited you, but he didn't invite me. God has invited all of us to come and to sit down and to allow that to take place. So this morning in the time that we have left, we're going to look at these three ideas, these three uh, things that by eating that God wants to do in our hearts and our lives and kind of look at them in a little bit more depth. So not only do we understand the idea of eating, but breaking it down a little bit to let each of these kind of sink into our hearts. So the idea of eating, again, is an invitation we're going to look at to eat for nourishment. Nourishment. Look what Mark, or Mark, Matthew says that Jesus responds in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, it says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you didn't know, the context of Matthew 4 is Jesus is in the wilderness at this point of time, fasting and praying for 40 days. And the enemy has come to him and he's tempting him. And he's basically saying, listen, if you're, you're the son of God, you can do whatever you want. So listen, I know you're hungry. So just make the bread, or just make the stones that are standing there, make them into bread. And Jesus' response is here this morning in Matthew 4, 4. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but something greater, something more. Something that comes from the mouth of God. And those things that come from the mouth of God nourish us, help us to grow, help us to be able to be strong in Him. And we have to understand that. Here's Jesus in a very physically weak position. He's tired. He's hungry. And at the same time, He has the ability to do exactly what the enemy is tempting Him to do. Jesus could have simply, listen, we know the stories. Jesus took some fish and some loaves and fed 5,000 people or more. He could definitely have handled a stone into some bread. But he understood where his nourishment came from. He understood that if he did that and made those stones turn into bread, guess what? He was going to be hungry again. But he understood that there was a nourishment that only came when he feasted on God and what God had for him and God's word for him and all these things. But we need to understand a little bit about this. We need to understand a little bit more because in some ways we look at this idea of nourishment and for some of us, just by the way we live, we think we can kind of get the nourishment by osmosis. If we just get close enough, Somehow that nourishment is going to transfer from you to me or me to you. And we don't always understand exactly how this takes place. So here's the deal. This is going to be very simple and very easy to understand. But I think it's true because sometimes we miss it. At least I know I miss it. So when it comes to eating for nourishment, we need to understand a couple things. Number one, we must actually consume it. You got to eat it. Listen, let me give you an example here, okay? And this kind of goes along actually with what we see in the idea of come, listen, buy, and then eventually eat. Let's say after service, you all leave and you all head over to King Supers or whatever supermarket you go to. 
okay? And you understand the idea, I gotta, I'm going to go to the, and I know you can get it delivered now, but you know, I'm going to go to the grocery store. You have accepted their invitation to basically come, okay? You walk in, you get your little cart, and you begin to walk up and down the aisles. I don't know about you guys, but like the last several weeks has been absolutely horrible to go to the grocery store for me. Because I'm starving. You know, it's like you walk in and it's like things that you would never desire to eat. It's all of a sudden you want to eat them right now, you know. And so I'm at the grocery store. You go to the grocery store. So you go in. And then you begin to listen. Whether it be by reading the labels or reading the cost or going, finding where each thing is. I don't know. I know they don't do this very often. But I do remember this as a kid being at my grocery store growing up. And basically uh, the over, or not the overhead, the, the, um, the intercom would click on. You know, welcome, Price Choppers. First of all, so glad that you're here with us today. We just wanted to let you know we're having a special on chicken thighs. Chicken thighs, one pound for three cents and 40, you know, it was a long time ago. So, and you go, oh, you know, you may not want chicken thighs. You may hate chicken thighs, but they're three cents a pound. So you're going to buy yourself some chicken thighs. So you listen, you listen, and then you load up your cart. You get it all in. You're going to do this. You're going to make that. You're so excited. And then what do you have to do? You can't just leave. you got to buy it. So you go to the checking thing, and whether it's you're checking out yourself or somebody else, and beep, 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 you pay. And then you, you take your stuff. You put it in the car. You go home. You get it all. I don't know if this is like you, you know, my family. You know, we get all the stuff in, and we set it on the counter, and then we kind of put it where it belongs. Okay? How silly, after all of that, would your life be if all you did was stare at the food you brought home and let it go back? Listen, I got, you know, I got all this food. Look at all my food. I could make spaghetti. I could make this. I could make hamburgers. I could make steak. I could make chicken. I could, but you don't actually consume it. What good is it? For some of us, we have done a really good job of going to the grocery store. We've, we've listened. We've, we've even had that buying experience with God. But then we never allow it to nourish our hearts. We never allow it to get from the pantry to our stomachs. Where it can be used to help us grow, help us be nourished in him. The second thing, and it kind of goes with the first, there's not much benefit, there's not much secondhand benefit. Okay? Like here's something, again, you, you think this is silly, but I know this is sometimes how we live. We think, well, listen, my, my wife is really, really, you know, going after the Lord and really loving the Lord, and, and I'm going to let her nourishment rub off on me. It didn't work that way. You have to eat for yourself. You have to be the one who takes what God has prepared for you and consume it and allow it to nourish your heart. Now, listen, listen here. We can be encouraged by God doing great things in other people's lives. I'm not doubting that. But there is, there is no such thing as secondhand food. Okay? No such thing. God has something that he has made for you to change you. And God is, God, you know, listen, how many of you, I know we've pretty much all done this, but, you know, gone to one of those uh, buffets, maybe a breakfast buffet or whatever, and they have one of those little, like, like, like an omelet bar. Aren't those cool? And what's, what's an omelet bar? An omelet bar is simple. It's, it's you go up, and if you want mushrooms and green peppers and, and, and onions in your omelet, you can get them. If you want bacon and ham, and so you go to the guy and you say, I, or gal, I, I, can I have an omelet with this, 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 and this? I grew up with a mother who used to tell us, I'm not a short order cook. What I have made for dinner is what we're eating for dinner. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you didn't want to eat what mom made, well, you, you, listen, God, listen, the God is so good. God doesn't work like that. God loves us so much. He's like, listen, I will prepare whatever you need. If you want the omelet here with this, 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 and this, I'll do it. But here's the great thing, okay? Here's the thing we need to understand. Here's, here's where we really have bought in 
to God. When we go up to God and go, God, listen, I know I could ask you to make an omelet with this, 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 and this, but you know best. Will you make the omelet that I need? And God goes, uh-huh. And he makes something special just for you. Because he loves you. Because he has specific plans for you. Scripture doesn't say, I knew everybody in their mother's womb. He says, I knew you. I formed you. And so God says, listen, listen, I know that it can be encouraging when I do great things and you can be a little bit nourished from me doing great things in other people's lives, but I want to nourish you individually. Don't allow your life to be a second-hand Christian life. And here's the deal. I'll be honest with you. I see it more and more in the church. In the church as a whole, I see more and more people who think they can be nourished just simply by showing up here on a Sunday morning. Now listen, I hope that there's some nourishment that we're sharing, but you realize that God wants you to be nourished by Him every single day. Something special every single day. So not only do you have to consume it, not only that, but you have to remember there's no secondhand benefits. Next thing, next thing. It's an invitation to eat for delight, okay? Now listen, this, this may shock you a little bit. This, this is sometimes hard for us to see depending on how you see God, how you see the Holy Spirit, how you see Jesus. But we are literally invited by God to delight in him. To delight. Now listen, delight to me, I don't know how you define the word delight, but it's not simply just like, oh, that's good. Yay. Like delight is deeper. Delight is something that we experience on a deeper level. Look at Psalms 43.4. In Psalms 43.4 it says, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre. Oh God, my God. Now, and keep that up there for a second because I want you to see a couple things about this, okay? The psalmist here is, is helping us see how we delight, but we have to understand a couple things here. Number one, we have to understand that for us to truly delight in God, it's gotta be my God. It's my God. Some of us try to delight in God, but it's our God. The God that we create the God that we kind of form. But when we say it's my God, what God, the psalmist here is saying is this is a personal thing. This is an individual who's come, who's listened, who's bide, and now they're eating, they're feasting on it, and they're delighting in it. It's because that, we've, that this individual has come to the altar of God that basically God has become my joy and my delight. There's a deeper thing here that God wants us to understand and see as God becomes more than just, listen, more than just our get out of hell free card. And listen, I'm thrilled that salvation is here. I'm thrilled that God has saved me and has forgiven me and I hope that you feel the same way. But there's another level of delighting in him that God wants us to get to, that really changes how we understand him and how we understand his word. One of the things that, um, some of you know this about me, some of you don't, um, but you know, I, I, have a, I have a favorite food and I don't get it very often because it's, it's not here. It's, it's back in Kansas City. Now, we're not going to get into a barbecue argument this morning because you will be wrong and I will be right. So we don't want to embarrass you. Okay. However, there is a restaurant back in Kansas City that is my favorite. And anytime we go back, whether to visit family or Christmas or, 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 or you know, Thanksgiving or whatever it might be, we have to go to the restaurant. It is, it is Nash family law that if I'm going to travel that far, we are going to get my barbecue. And I, I know this sounds weird, and maybe some of you are going to totally get this, and others of you are going to think I'm the weird, a weirdo, Okay. But we'll go and we'll get my, my sandwich and fries and all those sort of things. And I will tell you what, I delight, as weird as this sounds, in that sandwich. 
My wife has looked over at me when I'm taking that last bite and there is a face on me of delight and enjoyment. I'm like, you know, I've I turned into like the, uh, the mean chef. Ramsey, is that his name? You know, I turned into him because I'm like, I'm like tasting all the complex flavors of the wood and the smoke and the meat and the sauce. All, most of the things, it's just getting in my mouth. It's like, yeah, that tastes good. But when it comes to that, it's like, oh, there's a delight there. There's an enjoyment there. Can I ask you a kind of a strange question? When was the last time you delighted in the Lord like that? Where you began to delight in him, where you began to break down the amazing things that make him so good. You know, it's like we'll, we'll, we'll take a, a drink or, or a type of food and we'll break down, oh, I taste this or I taste that or I, it's this or that or oh, I, there's a note of vanilla or whatever. You know what we're doing when we do that? We're delighting. When's the last time we did that with our Father? When's the last time we tasted and saw that He was good and began to just focus on God right now? I'm just going to delight in your kindness to me. I'm just going to delight in the fact that I sin and you're perfect and I'm not and your loving kindness draws me to yourself, draws me to repentance. Father, I'm going to just take a moment here and I'm going to delight on your love for me. That when I don't love you, you always love me. You see, delight doesn't happen by accident. Delight just doesn't magically take place. It, it takes some time and some effort on your part to truly delight in something. Delight is something deeper. So then the question becomes, well, what do we delight in? How, how do we do this, Aaron? I, I, I want to delight in the Lord. How do I really do this? What are some areas that we can delight in? Well, first, we delight in his word. We delight in his word. Look what it says in Psalms 1, 1 through 2. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. We can delight in his word. We can delight in his promises. We can delight in the things that he has told us that we can hold on to and delight in that. A lot of times we spend a lot of times delighting, quote unquote, in scripture when bad things are happening, when it's hard and things like that. When's the last time you delighted in his word when everything was going well? That's another side of the coin that some of us need to do a better job in. Because again, we love when we feel alone to, to remember that promise that God doesn't leave us and forsake us. But sometimes it's more important or just as important to delight in him when he is doing great and mighty things in us and through us. So let's delight in that. Let's delight in what God's word says. Let's spend the time and study it and look deeper into it so that we find those, those complex tastes that are there. Those deeper things that God wants to reveal, excuse me, to our heart and our lives. Number two, we delight in his word, but we also delight in his works. We delight in the things he has done. Look at Isaiah 61.10. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Why? For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arraigned me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with jewels. Hey, listen. God's done awesome stuff for you. Delight in it. Remember it. And yes, we can talk about salvation and righteousness, and we should. But think about all the other things that God has done for you and me. Delight in those things. Remember those things. Focus on those things. God, I am so thankful that you have provided a home for me. You, we have a roof over our head. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness in that. For some of us, we almost look at God's works as it's owed us. And trust me, folks, it's not. God in his loving kindness, in his love for you and for me, has done these things for us. 
I love that Isaiah says, listen, I'm, I, my job here is I'm delighting greatly in the Lord and rejoicing in the Lord because he has clothed me. He did all this stuff. I can't, and I didn't. And so we can delight in not just his word, but what he has done. And that leads us to the third one, which kind of encapsulates it all. But we also need to delight in him alone. Him alone. Look at Psalms 37. Psalms 37, verse number four. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. For some of us, we delight in so many other things. And again, there's things that we delight in that aren't necessarily wrong or bad. But when we allow that delight in those things or those people to be greater than our delight in the Lord, we're going to get things out of whack and we're going to get things messed up in our heart and our lives. We're going to find that we're not going to be satisfied and fulfilled the way we should. And that leads us into the last one, which is an invitation to eat for fulfillment. Eat for fulfillment. In John 6, 35, Jesus says this. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You know, one of the things that you can figure out physically if you're hungry, and maybe yours, maybe I think everybody's does this. I don't know. I know mine does. It did this morning. Emily noticed it. My stomach go growl. When I'm hungry, my, my stomach starts making noises. Now, some of you are very smart. And you know all the scientific reasons for that. I don't know. All I know is that means I'm hungry. That means my stomach is communicating to me, hey, you haven't done, you haven't given me the nourishment I need. You haven't, you haven't given me the, the, you know, the delight I need. You haven't fulfilled me. I am empty inside. And I need something. I need something to come and change that situation. And here's the deal. It'll grumble and it'll growl and it'll make noises. And sometimes it's embarrassing. You know, have you ever been in a room or something with people? And maybe it's like 1130. It's not quite lunchtime. You're in a meeting at work. Or I remember at school, this would happen all the time. You know, we'd be in class or something. The teacher would be at the board teaching something. All of a sudden you're... And you're like, oh, it's lunchtime. <laughs> Sometimes it was always worse if your last class was closer to the lunch area because you could smell whatever lunch was. And your stomach would begin to growl. Your stomach would begin to communicate, hey, hey, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not fulfilled. You know what I found in our world today? There's a lot of grumbling stomachs. There's a lot of people walking around trying to make their stomachs, spiritually speaking, shut up. And man, they're looking at all sorts of different things. And they're grabbing it and they're shoving it down. And they're so hopeful that that is really what's going to fulfill. And here's the deal. Here's the thing that you need to understand. Those things will typically fulfill for a while. They'll typically fulfill for a season. But the problem is, your stomach will start to growl some more. Jesus understood that. He understood that we have a hunger and a thirst that we need fulfilled. And he also understood that he was the bread of life. He understood what we truly needed. We needed something, not just for that moment, but we needed something that would fulfill us as long as we consumed him. As long as we looked to him. Because here's the other thing I found. A lot of times Christians will think they need to supplement their diet. They'll say, yeah, I'm, I got the bread of life, that's good, that's good, but you know what, I, I, need, I need a little bit of this, and I need a little bit more of that. I need a little bit of this in my life. I need, I need my church to be a little bit more focused on these things. 
that aren't really about helping people grow and discover Jesus. And we think that's going to work. And here's what I have found in a lot of those cases. Because the enemy hates your soul. A lot of times, you can only put so much in. And unfortunately, for a lot of times and a lot of people, the bread of life gets pushed more and more and more aside so that you and me can feast on things that may be good things, but not the main thing. Listen, hear me here. And I'm not trying to throw rocks at any particular domination or church. I'm just looking at the church as a whole. I think the church as a whole has a problem. And I think the problem is we've gotten away from the bread of life onto some things that may be good things, but not the thing. And here's what I have learned in my own life. When we allow the bread of life to fulfill us and to satisfy us, all those other things get fulfilled because we've started with Jesus. We've started with him. We've allowed him to be the main thing. And when we have allowed him to be the main thing, all these other things are not subtracted from you and me, as Scripture says. It says they are added to you and me. You want to do a better job in some of these other areas? Get closer to Jesus. You want to have a heart for those that are suffering? Great. Get closer to Jesus because that's how it's going to happen. Whatever it might be, understand who the bread of life is is go to him let that be your soul's fulfillment yet that satisfy your heart and then all those other things will be added unto you but it has to start with finding that fulfillment in him and eating what he has provided it's so important so vital if we're going to accept that invitation as you know, obviously, we're kind of, today is the last day. We're done, you know, of our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was, it's always tough. And like I said, depending on what you fasted, and I trust that you heard God's voice and obeyed that. I know some of you didn't necessarily fast food, and that, that's completely fine. You know, but you fasted something, and I'm proud of you. But, but definitely, you know, to kind of help kind of bring this all to a close, I want to kind of focus on that idea of food and, and fasting for obvious reasons. And, and, and during this time for me, you know, I, I definitely get hungry. I, I start doing weird things. I have a, on my phone, I have a little app that I use to, um, um, I, do, I do actually cook every once in a while. <laughs> and my family's still alive, which is awesome. Um, and, and so I kind of, I spend a little bit more time on that app than normal. Because I'm like, look, oh, that looks good. Oh, I, I could make that. You know, and I probably couldn't, but you get what I mean. I start to, to kind of focus on those things. But here's what I've learned. You know when I very, 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 very rarely look at that app? Right after I've eaten. I, I, don't, I don't finish my meal with my family and then grab my phone and start to look for something else. You know why? I'm satisfied. I'm full. I'm satisfied. And so I don't have to go and start to look on the app for, for something else or, or wouldn't that be nice? I don't even think about my next meal. Why? Because in that moment... I'm fulfilled. There's no grumbling. I'm good. I'm fulfilled in what I have eaten. This is in your notes, and it's so true, and it's something we need to understand in a spiritual sense. It's very difficult to tempt a completely satisfied person. You know why the enemy desperately desperately want you to not consume because he knows when you start eating from God's table it's going to be real hard to get you to eat something else when you have been satisfied by what God has pro produced and placed before you it's going to be tough 
for him to bring along something else and say, wouldn't you like this? No, no, I'm good. I'm full. I'm full. And for some of us, we have come, we've listened, we've bought, but we're not feasting like we should. Some of us live, if this is a weird way to put it, some of us live constantly like we're on a spiritual diet. Like, like there's like, oh, I can't eat too much of what God has produced and God has brought forth. God will run out. He won't. God will look at me strange if I, if I do that. No, it'll make his heart happy. You ever have a grandma that just basically, it's like you come over for dinner and she makes enough to feed a small, you know, country? And so you sit there and you eat and you eat and the more you eat, the more she gets excited. God's kind of like that. God has prepared an amazing spread for you and for me. And he's never going to look at you and go, whoa, 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 that's enough. Hey, hey, listen, you got to eat tomorrow, so just chill out. No. God's going to say, will you just come? Just eat. Just feast. Just enjoy. Let it be your delight. Let it be your fulfillment. Let it be your nourishment. And allow that to happen. Because here's the deal. God wants you satisfied in him. Not satisfied with the world. Not satisfied with a person. But completely satisfied in him. Let's close our eyes. Let's close. Over the last several weeks, we've looked at these invitations. And, and you know, as, we've, as I've kind of put this message together, it's, it's always been an amazing thing to think that, that God, in his infinite love and mercy and grace and goodness, would invite somebody like me. And maybe as we have shared these things over the last several weeks, you have bought into that, that lie that says, you know what, well, I'm sure, I'm sure God has invited Aaron or I'm sure God has invited this person or that person, or, but not me. Not me. I, God would never really invite somebody like me. And I'm, I'm just here to tell you this. This invitation is for all of us. And what's great about it, it's an ongoing invitation. It's not just an invitation over 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's constant. God is always extending these invitations to you and to me. Always saying, will you to come? Will you just be with me? Will you, will you listen and learn from me? Will you have a deeper faith and deeper trust in me? Will you allow what I've prepared for you to be your satisfaction, your delight, and your nourishment? It doesn't stop today. Even though the series stops and we're going to look at some other things next week, it doesn't mean that the invitation stops. It's still available to us. The question is always the same. The question is not, will you be invited? The question is, will you accept the invitations? And listen, if I know me and I know most people, there, there may be some invitations that you do a really good job of accepting and some that you struggle with. I get that. I know for me, I have struggles in that area too. I may be really good at certain invitations, but others I struggle. And no matter what you're good at or what you struggle with, the invitation is still extended to you. It's still brought out to you, not by a person, not by me as your pastor or, or even Isaiah, but by God himself. He's saying, will you come? Will you listen? Will you buy? And will you eat? Because I want you to do those things. 
God wants you here and wants you near him. He invites you. And so this morning as we kind of close today and close the series, I want to ask you first a question more about today, and and that's simply this. Are you satisfied or does your stomach rumble spiritually? Like, are you really fulfilled or do you look to other things or other people to be that fulfillment in you and that nourishment in you? How, how does your life look in that area? Because I'll be honest, it's really, really easy to start snacking on some junk food. It's really easy to allow other things and other people to try to fill that hole. When we'll only really, truly find it in Jesus. And that's the first question. And the second, kind of more as we kind of close the series, what area do you have a struggle with when it comes to accepting the invitation? Because whatever area it is, maybe it's one, maybe it's all of them, and that's fine. I truly believe that what God wants to do this morning and throughout this next week is to really cement in your heart that you have been invited It is an open invitation and for you to more regularly accept that invitation. And my hope and my prayer for you and for me is that in a lot of ways we'll never reject these invitations that God gives us. We'll always accept them. We'll always accept them. But here's the deal. Here's the thing. Just like in certain areas of our lives, If we get invited someplace, if we get invited and we accept the invitation, there will be other things that we will have to possibly say no to. Because you can't be at two places at once. You can't do that. In a lot of ways, guess what? Over the last 21 days, we've been doing that. We've been saying yes to God and yes to his invitations and possibly no to some other types of things. And it's easy to do that or it's when we're focused on it during a time of prayer and fasting. But listen, listen. When we say yes to God and what he has for us, we'll never regret what we said no to. Because what we have said yes to in God is eternal and greater than anything temporal or that we could come up with on our own. But again, to do that and to believe that, we've got to accept the invitation to buy, don't we? So it all works together. It all builds on each other. But all of us have been invited. So whether it's the question earlier about are we satisfied or it's a question that basically says have we really accepted all of these invitations or where, where's our weak spot in these things? Let's just pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us and I know that he will. Okay? So Father, we come to you and God, we're so thankful for these invitations. We're so thankful that you love us so much that you would extend these. And these are open invitations. These are not you know, just during this 21 days or just during the sermon series. No, no, these, these are always available to us. And so, Father, first, if, if we're finding satisfaction or trying to find fulfillment or satisfaction in other things or people, God, we're sorry. Because we know what your word says. Your word says that you're the bread of life. It says that that's what we need to satisfy our hearts. Jesus, when you met the woman at the well and she was drawing water, he, you talked about if we'll drink the water that you give us, we'll never thirst again. When we focus on you, when we let you be our delight and our joy and our satisfaction and our fulfillment and our nourishment, 
Father, you take care of us. And God, sometimes it's so easy to focus on other things or look at other things and try to think they will bring us to that point, but they never do, they never last. And so Jesus, if that's us, will you help us? Will you help us to once again go to you for our nourishment and our delight and our, our fulfillment and allow you to be that? And then all the other things will be added to us. Help us to do that, Father. It's hard, but we want to. We want to accept that invitation. And then, Father, as we kind of look at the conclusion of this series, God, whether it's buy or listen or come or eat, whatever it is that, Father, we struggle with to accept that invitation, Father, I pray that today would be a new day. Today would be a day where we say, I'm going to say yes to the invitations of God. Even the ones I struggle with, even the ones that are hard, even the ones that I, I don't always do very well, I, I'm going I'm to, God, with your help, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes to those things and allow you to do in my heart what only you can do. So God, wherever we're at, whatever we're dealing with, God, whatever invitation you have brought to us, we say yes. We say yes. With your help, we say yes. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. And we love you so much. Help us. And we know you will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. So listen. Once again, I'm proud of you. I know these last 21 days have been hard, but you've done great. And in a lot of ways, in these 21 days, you have said yes to the invitation of God. And I want to encourage you, okay, just because this time, quote unquote, is done, it doesn't mean that what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives is done as well. So enjoy the breaking of the fast but never miss the opportunity to say yes to Jesus and no to something else. Okay? Awesome. Have a great week. I love you. We'll see you next Sunday.